Hello everyone, I'm Matthew B. Lloyd, a reviewer and news editor at DC Comics News. And I'm so excited to welcome Becky Clunin and Michael W. Conrad today. I appreciate them for being here. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, we're going to answer some questions. We're going to talk about your work today. So uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. It's it's really good to be here. Even though being by being here, we're I mean in our living room. <laughs> <laughs> And I am in my kitchen as well. So it's it's the wonder of the modern world. Um, well, first off, I've really been enjoying both Wonder Woman and the uh, Midnighter uh, series that you did in action. Uh, thank you both for your hard work on those books. I feel like there's a lot of great stuff at DC right now, and these are two series or examples of it. Um, how did you guys get these gigs, and did you pitch ideas, or did DC come to you for, for those two projects? Um, it, it kind of all spun out of the um, future state uh, stuff that they did last or earlier this year. Um, Jamie S. Rich uh, contacted us last year asking if we, if we wanted to do a Midnighter for future state. And it was like a two issue story. And, you know, of course we had an idea and then it just kind of spun out of control. We were, you know, when we did the future state stuff, we had, it was like an alternate timeline Midnighters in the future, and then there's some time travel involved, of course. So we're like, what if the wrong one came back? And then we had to like, oops, we we have to do a Midnighter in like continuity <laughs> now because we messed cool. things up in future state. It was a bit by design. A little bit. Um, <clears throat> Becky is always really busy with with work, but for me, I was with COVID. I just saw so many opportunities and projects that I was really excited about kind of uh, dry up or get postponed um so when jamie got in touch with this great opportunity to write this character that we love um i i definitely do feel like i <laughs> i might have even said it to becky <laughs> i was like i want to create such a broken problem where we have to do more with this <laughs> <laughs> So a good way to do that. And also I wanted it to feel like it had consequence and that it was not going to get um, seen as like, oh, this was just this weirdo one-off thing. Um, so I wanted to tie it into regular continuity and be very clear that, hey, this is, this is part of the books that you've been reading. Uh, so a good way to do that was... Um, like Becky said, do some time traveling and, <laughs> and, and create a big mess so that we were able to um, continue the story in the back of action and then finally to finish it up with uh, the Midnighter Annual that came out. Yeah. Uh, it feels like it just came out, but I'm sure it's been months since it <laughs> since it came mm -hmm. out. And we were lucky to have um, Michael Ivanoming and Taki Soma be like part of that journey with us. It was very much a family affair. It was yeah, tons of fun. So much fun. And Wonder Woman spun out of that somehow. Oh yeah. There's Wonder Woman too. <laughs> <laughs> well, after we did um so we were working on the future state stuff, we had like a few meetings and Well, there was Immortal was part of Future right. State. And it was after we like started on the Midnighter stuff that like Jamie was like, Hey, do you guys want to take over the Wonder Woman for Future State too? And of course we were like, uh, yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> and kind of the marching orders were, it's it's Wonder Woman, but it's way in the future, okay? And <laughs> we were like, okay. <laughs> you're like, 
Poway in the future? And he was like, I don't know, like pretty far. So we, we got off that phone call and we we're going to put together our idea for it. And um, we just were like, what if it's like way in the future? What, what if, if it's at the end of time? <laughs> end of time? <laughs> it's what, far in the future. What does, <laughs> yeah, what does that look like and how does that feel? And um, how it looks and feels is a kind of a sad meditative book that I don't think anyone that DC expected, but I think they liked it quite quite a bit, certainly enough to um, have us continue to tell Diana stories in the in the regular ongoing series. And we found out while we were doing like a, a digital con uh, and it was right before we were about to go live on there, Jamie was like, okay, yeah, we're going to go through, we're going to ask some questions. And then at the end, we'll announce that Michael and Becky are taking over writing Wonder Woman ongoing and then we'll do a sign off and all will be good. And he's like, all right, and three, two, and we're live. And I was just unable to speak. My jaw was on the floor. I was like, I cannot believe that we're writing Wonder Woman now. <laughs> I just kept looking at Becky. Like, here I am doing this thing for, for a convention and totally just at a rare loss of words. It was, it was beautiful. That never happened. It never happens. I talk way too much. That's why I write, because uh, if no one's around to listen to me talk, I'll, I'll just write. That way it's like sending sending my ideas out uh, as like a time bomb. Well, you got to have a way to get, get those thoughts and ideas out, because if not, you'll stand there talking to yourself in the room, and eventually someone will find you and have questions. <laughs> that has happened also. That has happened. <laughs> We were really lucky with Immortal Wonder Woman because um, before we started writing the script, we found out Jen Bartel was going to be the artist. And she's like one of my favorite artists working right now anyway. Um, so we were able to like really tailor the whole book to like, you know, knowing the artist who's going to work on it and being so familiar with her work. All of a sudden, like the images became much more clear when we were writing it. So that was it just it was such like a serendipitous kind of yeah. book. So it's very special to us. That's cool. That's cool. Um, well, leading into the regular Wonder Woman series, how much did you know about the whole ascension to godhood when you took on the series and deciding what you were going to do with it? Because at the end of what uh, Dark Knight's Metal, she's supposed to die and, and she's dead and ascending. And how did that affect what you were going to do? Or, or was, it, was it your – they said, okay, now you got to bring her out of this. Or were you like, can we bring her out of this? Yeah, it was, um, that was all we knew, actually, going in, because I don't think they had, like, I don't think Scott had finished writing Death Metal when we started writing the book, so all we knew was that she was, she was going to die, and that was it, so we were, like, just based on that, the whole idea of, like, well, what if she ascended to the wrong afterlife? Of course, she's supposed to pop up in Olympus, but what if she, like, pops out in Asgard, and that was, like, the whole core idea that we kind of built the whole thing around, and then we knew for her 80th anniversary she's got to come back to earth so we had like nine issues because of double shipping of course so they, <laughs> yeah they didn't say that she needed to be back on earth i think we just knew, we knew in our hearts like as wonder woman fans for her 80th anniversary yeah she's got to come she's got to be home you know <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah so nine issues later <laughs> yeah that and that was kind of how we planned the whole arc was like 
okay, we've got nine issues to tell a story of her, like, having an adventure in the afterworlds. And we kind of used Grant Morrison's map of the multiverse as, like, a roadmap of, like, oh, here's some cool places we can go visit. And, like, <laughs> you know, of course. Well, you, you did visit some cool places. You definitely did. Some there cool were places, places we wanted to go to that we couldn't. Like, we wanted to do endless stuff. And the, right off the bat, we were like, we want to do the endless. And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Our editor Brittany didn't even ask. She's like, no, you probably can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> that that so requires Neil Gaiman to say yes, right? I know. I was like, let me find you yeah. DMs real quick. Let me see if we can get an okay. I bet you we could have. <laughs> well, Be- Becky's, Becky's got a good relationship <laughs> with him. I'm sure he would have. He would have been like, okay, you're gonna handle it well. Well, we couldn't get that. <laughs> so the, we did the next best thing. We got Jill Thompson to draw like a. Oh yeah, that was a, book, so that yeah, was what a wonderful cool. issue. That yeah. was fun. Um, and and that was that's part of the journey too. Is with the double shipping, we knew that Travis wasn't going to be. Um, he, he he's a human being. He's not going to be able to draw all these issues. Is he a human being? God, he draws like a god. Yeah. <laughs> Only Jack Kirby could have handled that. Only Jack yeah, Kirby yeah, could have exactly. handled two, because he was probably drawing four books at a time at one point a month. So Seriously. he'd have been fine, but he's the only one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyone I know who's who's drawn uh, books that have double shipped are like have be, have come out the other side worse for it, and I wouldn't want to put that on anyone. Yeah, even you know, even just. Even doing a monthly book yeah, is it's stressful physically and mentally. You know, there's a lot that you know you just uh, even just drawing a monthly book is hard enough. So yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it was exciting to be like, okay, this first part we've got Travis for a while. We yeah. can build out this section, and then it just kind of lent itself naturally to this um, this kind of beat that we wanted, which was. It, it things start going faster and faster. She's moving through yeah. these, these elements faster yeah. and faster. There's like four issues in this one place, then two in this other, and then one, and then all of a sudden, in in a single issue, you're seeing, you know, five or six different elements of the multiverse. Um, it it was fun and interesting to tell a story that we're we're using the pacing of the story itself to kind of create hopefully this this tension of okay yeah things are doing really yeah. cooking now yeah every issue she's like moving a little further to earth you yeah. know and it's also going to be really exciting for for us to see how people like it now that we've got her back in more familiar ground and um we have a very different kind of way of telling this story now uh, it'll be it'll be quite different with diana back home there's a lot it's not as if she's gonna like leave this plane of existence and not have to deal with the fallout of things like no everything here uh, she's gonna be stuck here until scott snyder kills her again or something (laughs) (laughs) well well something you said uh uh sort of leads me to one of the questions i was i was gonna ask you said uh you knew in your heart you had to get her back to earth for her 80th anniversary and my question was uh tomorrow when we're recording this tomorrow uh set when 780 comes out um and we all know she returns officially in that issue that's not a spoiler um but how important do you think is that cycle of reinvention to classic return for characters like wonder woman superman batman that have been around for so long and, and there's always a constant sort of 
you know, not necessarily revamping, but you know, repre- representing the classic after some sort of journey or some kind of major change. How important do you think that is to keep the characters fresh? I don't know. I I struggle with it personally sometimes, but since you're actually in the midst of doing that exact thing, what is your take on that sort of thing? I always think of superhero books as like modern mythology and mythology or, you know, stories that you're just telling over and over. And of course it has to change for, you know, new generations coming along, picking up these books for the first time. Um, Wonder Woman in particular has had such a varied history. You know, she's her, even her origin has been completely changed, like completely yeah. changed from what it was originally. Um, and I think for her character, especially she's because she's changed so much it almost makes sense to keep that traditional vibe of like redefining who she is um but also at the same time like honoring everything that's come before so there's like this kind of tightrope walk that we're doing you know yeah i think wonder woman has been presented in a lot of different ways and that gives us that gives us a lot of room to be able to tell a lot of different types of stories with her and have them be consistent with the character it also creates a burden in that um, <clears throat> we would like, when you think of Diana, we would like you to have a very particular vision of this woman, of, of this incredibly powerful being that is kind enough to come help us out. Um, and how we, how we do that and how we, how we reinforce that element of our character is really tricky because there's people that <clears throat> have connected with uh, very different types of things about her character. Some people like her as like a kind of cold-blooded killer, like a warrior woman who will like yeah. cut off the head of everyone. She's like a <clears throat> goddess of war, you know, and yeah. at the same time she's also like a god of peace and yeah. diplomacy. So and some people, some people like that <laughs> bit where it's like her waxing philosophical and being kind to animals and and all this some people like her you know dressed as a mod uh calling <laughs> superman a cop <laughs> i love it all yeah. and i think there's room for it all i think that's like the cool thing about her is her moral code is very much like our own it's one that kind of moves and bends and works different in different situations it's one that takes into consideration um the world around her uh people's motivations it's not black and white it's not this weird libertarian uh i am the knight and i'm gonna clean up this town <laughs> type of thing. Um, <clears throat> and i love that type of thing too but what i love about diana and what i love about telling these stories is being able to explore what it looks like for somebody um, who can screw up and can be emotionally involved in something and can have these high morals and still manage to blow it. Um, to, to me, that's what's exciting about Wonder Woman. And that's the thing that hopefully people who, no matter what they like about Wonder Woman, hopefully that'll be the thing that they find in our stories that works for them will be this thing about somebody that you can identify with even though they're going to live forever and they can fly <laughs> with you and, and do all <laughs> was that part of the whole 
I guess the overarching concept of After Rules was trying to connect with those different aspects of the character in different scenarios. Obviously, Asgard is more of the warrior woman, you know, chop everybody's head off because that's that's Asgard, especially the way presented as uh, uh, in, in the in the story. But that's that's more Asgard, whereas other aspects are seen to play into other parts of her other worlds that she visits play in other parts of her characters. Definitely. We definitely had like each one had, you know, even the graveyard of the gods with the whole riddle thing, which was super fun to write. <laughs> it was like, you know, she didn't fight anyone. She just answered a couple riddles, but it was like the idea that like, okay, here's a character that has many strengths and these are different stories that play to those strengths. Um, and also like the cyclical nature of comic books and like fandom in general too. You know, you're trying to, we're doing a lot, a lot of lifting. Yeah, there was, there was some <laughs> meta commentary in there. Um, a big, a big part of it was we started with like that thing you aren't supposed to do, which is, oh, she doesn't remember who she is. Like, okay, <laughs> uh, another one of these type of stories. But that was an effort to um, be able to present her um, without having to be beholden to these rules, without having to be like, oh, we're going to honor 80 years of legacy. And no, she can't, she can't really remember who she is. She's in the wrong afterlife. Uh, she's not. And even when she realizes like, oh, I'm in an afterlife, uh, nothing matters. You're dead. <laughs> like you're going <laughs> to die again. Uh, yeah. Also, you're in a place where you don't know anybody, and nobody knows you. And I, we, we take like a little vacation or something. You go away for a long weekend, and you feel that sense of of freedom when you're in a weird town, staying at a strange motel. You feel like, hey, maybe I do stay up until two o'clock in the morning, eating bad food and watching murder files on tv <laughs> that's so that's kind of um that's what we were doing early on in the story and then of course we want to make sure that for october 21st 80th anniversary of, of wonder woman we want to have her be fully realized have her have remembered who she is completely having displayed through this journey through afterworlds like becky was saying these these various strengths of hers um not the least of which being uh, that she can win fights without even fighting that she, that some fights aren't uh, kicking and punching and frankly uh some of my favorite comic books don't involve any type of violence at all it's kind of neat to uh to work on a mainstream comic where we can we can take an issue and have it be about uh, philosophy or poetry or something like that and have it feel consistent with the with the lineage of wonder woman excellent um this goes right to the other uh the next question i'm most often drawn uh in by characters and and when writers take the time to uh develop flesh out explore characters and it, it seems like, is that a big part of how you approach writing at least i get that from what i've read definitely that's a huge part of it um figuring out like who diana is you know not just for us but in general was like you know one of the most important things about starting working on this book um and yeah i don't know we've I love, I, I'm, 
I'm a sucker for plot, you know? I, I can't deny it. Uh, I love twisty, weird things. And sometimes, in some stories, it's it's okay to not really... To have the the actors within the story, it, it sometimes it's not even important as long as the plot is compelling. Uh, that's not the case with Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonder Woman is a book about uh, a woman named Diana and how she engages with the world around her. What's really exciting about Wonder Woman, though, and especially with getting her uh, back home, is she's got such a colorful cast of friends and family and enemies. And, and her enemies are so good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, that's really exciting is I've got these, like, volumes and volumes of wonder woman comics and encyclopedias about her and, and <laughs> novels about her and just dipping in and knowing oh like we can we can explore all these things i feel like we'll never run out of ideas uh, because there's so much cool stuff there just like waiting to be revitalized and i think uh, a lot of wonder woman fans new and old um are going to be excited to see like some of these characters as they start popping up again. And so in 780, we, we threw a, a bunch of characters in there. Uh, we hope to explore a ton more in the, in the days to come. Well, having read 780 already, I'm excited that to see a lot of those characters and hope to see them explored because my, my, my face was smiling the whole time with all the different uh, characters and, and surprises you brought forward with that. Um, so without spoilers, obviously, do you have a, a, a goal for your one on run as far as a length of time? Do you plan on being it for a while? Is it an indefinite time right now or, or how you guys uh, know what's happening and how it's going to end? We have plans for like pop the next year, I think like a good solid year of material. And then we have like vague ideas of what, you know, of course, after that, the next logical step. So we're happy to be around as long as people like us, I think. <laughs> as long as our editors like us. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. If sales are looking okay and people aren't mad at us, and especially, like, you got to make sure that the editors are happy. Um, if we're able to balance those things, I, I, I hate the thought of one day being like, well, our time here is done. I I think we'll be able to end it well. I, I think I've got a real strong idea of how I would you do? put a pin in it. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, but I, I don't even want, like, I don't want to talk to Becky about that. I don't, like, I'll do it when we're told we're done. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. When, yeah. or when we feel like we're when we feel like we've done enough and that there's another person out there who's going to do Diana service by providing a different perspective, that would be ideal would be for us to get to a point where we're like, Hey, uh, she needs a freshness, you know, she, she needs somebody else in there. Uh, and that would be great to leave on, on our own Mark. Um, but yeah, I don't, there's there's tons to be done with Diana. I think uh, we we kind of showed up wanting to further um, cement 
elements of her character and we've got a lot of work to do yeah and she's a character that like you could ask anyone on the street like what's batman's origin or what's superman's origin everybody knows you say like what's wonder woman's origin and people are going to be like i i don't know i don't know this she came from this island of amazon women maybe if they've seen the movies they know about the mascara but um even that i think is like you know at, there's no solid story for her that is ingrained in the great subconscious, you know? And I think that leaves a lot of room for, um, you know, able to, people on Wonder Woman, it's it's daunting, but it's also like exciting to be a part of this legacy that is still being defined, you know? Yeah, that's part of why so many, I've read so many writers have been like, Wonder Woman is hard to write or is impossible to write. and Part of it is because, like I was saying, there's so many different things about Wonder Woman that the fandom will gravitate toward this thing or that thing. Um, our job is to kind of unify these these elements, to validate these elements, to please uh, everybody a, a wide variety, <laughs> to please a wide variety of readers. Um, and there's a way to do it. Like there really is. Um, we're, we've just got a lot of work to do to get there. And there are some writers that I, I, I've read in the past that, that have a way of bringing in disparate elements and bringing them together into a unified theory to support a character. And they don't throw things away. They find a way to integrate them. And that's, what, that's something I, I really like. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're, what you're going for. Yeah. That's exactly what we're trying to do. It's so terrible when things get thrown away. Yeah. Like, you imagine... I, it would be terrible if one day somebody comes along and they they're like, we're gonna scrap that Clune uh, and Conrad. Run. Get rid of six. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I I don't like that. I love I love the idea of everything existing and having value and finding a way to to make it make sense and to make it work. And that's um that's the great Gordian knot that we're gonna be working on for the entirety of our run on this thing. Hopefully well, that we, sounds. Hopefully, we loosen it up a bit so that <laughs> it makes sense. That sounds very exciting. I, I look forward to to all of that uh, coming. I've enjoyed everything so far, and I'm looking forward to what comes next. Um, what's it like writing together? How do you approach that as opposed to writing uh, alone or separately, uh, a single project as opposed to collaborating? How, how, what does that look like? It starts with a discussion. That discussion turns into a full-on argument. And then, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's delightful. It's it's easy and it's fun. Uh, it it's really about getting excited together about something and impressing one another. We we share in every part of this of this collaboration from the inception of the idea to the execution of the final script. Um, and it's a lot of fun, you know, bouncing a, a draft back and forth and and seeing different things kind of come to life, things that I wouldn't do on my own. Um, I, I feel confident and because I know like, oh, Becky will clean this bit up. <laughs> <laughs> so she'll fix this and in the various versions of the drafts there will be a little notes to each other and like hey i need you to like 
Can you make this sound good? Can you make this feel less droll? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's good to have two eyes on a thing. Um, yeah, we just it took us a little bit to kind of iron out how best we work. Um, and I think every issue we're still learning about that. You know how each other. Um, you know, just the way that we communicate is, you know, with the way we work on stories and approach things is totally different. So we've had to like kind of iron out this way of passing things back and forth that makes sense for both of us. Um, so there's yeah. no there's no Lennon McCartney sneaking down in the middle of the night and changing something and sending it off and saying, oh, no, this is the final version. <laughs> <laughs> there's There's been moments where I've been like, um, this line is is so bad can we fix it <laughs> and they'll realize that i'm the one who wrote the line <laughs> and conversely there's also moments where i've been like this part's so awesome good job with that and becky will be like did i write that or did you write that and i'd be like you wrote that one it be, it, <laughs> you're well, patting yourself on the back it becomes a thing where um there's no real sense of ownership at the end of it uh, not a personal ownership. It's almost like it's, it's something you were part of, but it just kind of happened. And while I look at these books and I'm like, wow, I can't, I can't believe we've done this. Um, it, it, it just feels like it just happens. It's very strange. It's unlike writing on your own where uh, you're toiling and you're like chipping away at that wall and you're slowly putting the pieces together and figuring out how to make this thing work working with another brain another great brain like becky is um it i don't know it's it's really hard to describe it you just wake up one day and there's a comic with your name on it and you know that you were there for it <laughs> you're not sure how it happened <laughs> yeah because you can no longer remember like did i come up with that did she come up with that is that a thing that like the character woke up and told us like hey i i'm sacred and i must be like really good yes. looking <laughs> or i'm steve and and i demand to be part of this story <laughs> get me put me in coach uh, it just kind of happens it's 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 different it's it's very different i love working with becky but i don't think i could do this with too many people. I, I'm, I love collaborating, though. I'm a, I'm a big she's collaborator. She's got a history of doing it with um, <laughs> Gotham Academy and stuff. For, for me, I've never collaborated with, with another writer. And I'm very thankful that it's with Becky, who I can be completely honest with. And sometimes <laughs> I can be awful and say, like, uh, you know, say, this, this will not change. <laughs> this is my... <laughs> great idea <laughs> and then it'll come out and and they'll be like man why did i why did i die on that hill why did you die on that hill <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a lot like i've heard some musicians talk about collaborating you know when you have songwriting partners that they don't know who came up with what part but they were there and i know it happened but i can't place this or that and so they just go it's us you know that yeah. kind of thing That's very much what this is it's it's different. I, people that are familiar with Becky writing solo understands that when she writes with me, it's it's gonna feel different. And same with my work. Um, working with Becky, it's a it's a different voice. It's a shared voice. And and 
we're we're just lucky that it works out. Well, it's, it is it's working. I will confirm it's working. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, Becky, this is more of a question for you. As an artist, how do you feel being an artist impacts your work as a writer, especially if you're not writing for yourself to draw? Do you think you're approaching things differently than than maybe Michael would? And do you ever want to draw what you've just written in these kinds of situations? Well, I have a hard time drawing superhero books, so I don't think I would want to work on something that I've written for Marvel or DC just because <laughs> I just have a hard time with con like I don't know what it is. Like there's a disconnect there and it's um it's a little more difficult. I think the pressure maybe gets to me. Um I always think about like an artist's style and how they would in like if I can envision how they would lay out a page, it makes it easier for me to kind of understand how I would lay it out. So I try to keep that in my mind, like knowing who's drawing a book will will impact how I think about a scene um, and try to play to artist strengths and things like that. And then, of course, trying to be nice to them with like in terms of what is on the page. And of course, I know we threw some really difficult things at like Travis, especially, and he just knocked out the park. Um, but there will be times when it's like, you know, the seven, seven, nine was done in like pretty much a void and it was like oh yeah yeah, yeah. A break like <laughs> there are so much there's so much happening in this so many characters so many nuanced expressions you know like fighting uh so it's like how can we ease this up a little bit for him to make it just fun fun to draw more fun um yeah i don't know i i was lucky to work with a lot of great writers too so it's like having a lot of experience working on scripts that I found very easy to read. So I try and like implement that in what I write. I don't know. It just, it's. <laughs> Becky's good at, um, because she, she is, has a very visual mind um, in the script. If I write something that maybe wouldn't work out as well, uh, she can often visualize how she would draw the page and kind of adjust certain things to just to make it more sense make it have more sense yeah um, sometimes on if a it's like tip. yeah like a long panel description i'll try and put like the most important things at the very beginning so it's like here's the things so you know what you're getting into and then kind of describe like if there's an emotional thing happening like what those characters are feeling or um you know if you're describing a scene that's happening you know, I try not to put too much information in there. So it's like, you don't want to overwhelm. And I get easily overwhelmed <laughs> as an artist. So I try and keep it. So it's like, if someone's, you know, if I'm writing a scene that's uh, describing an action happening, make sure to make it that like, visually, it makes sense in your head. You know, like if you can't see the character's expression on their face, I won't describe the expression on their face, but I'll describe instead what they're feeling. So the artist doesn't think like, oh, I'm reading this and I have to draw their face, but their back is turned to me. Like, how do I, you know what I mean? Like, do this thing <laughs> That's where it's a good like, point. There's just little things that, can, that, that hitch me up. I try and, like, keep an eye out for so that if I'm, you know, handing this off to an artist, I would, you know, if I was getting the script, I wouldn't be, like, losing my mind trying to, like, draw this. I get caught up in, like, little details as an artist. So I think that's what I keep an eye out for in, in a script. 
But I don't know. I think some of it's just like going with, you know, your instincts. Michael's got great instincts for drama and, and story. So it, it's easy to follow his lead, you know, when we're collaborating. She's lying. <laughs> he does all the writing. I get to sign my name on it. <laughs> That's blatantly untrue. <laughs> Michael is all the heavy lifting. Like I don't know if I'd be able to keep oh, up go the on. schedule if we weren't collaborating. I'm know? I'm quick. Uh, of the two of us, um, I'm faster as a writer. Um, I'm very slow. So <laughs> so oftentimes, if something's got to get done, um, I can I can quickly, you know, get get it roughed out, and then Becky will will fix it. <laughs> gotcha. So, Got it. So sometimes the breakdown of labor uh, goes that way, you know, like I'll get in with some broad strokes and get it over to Becky so that she can refine it and build it out. And again, that's that works really well sometimes. And it works really well, especially because with Becky being an artist, she knows these things like, hey, this is a broken panel description. This isn't going to work. This this needs to get reworked. Um so yeah, again, it's it's great to collaborate, and it's great um, that Becky has like this this fantastic background in drawing uh, lots and lots of pages of comics <laughs> and knowing, knowing how to make it happen. Uh. <laughs> Changing gears a little bit, Michael, do you feel your previous career informs your work at all? Yeah, uh, very much. So I. I Worked for 20 years in the mental health industry uh, at, at every level that you can imagine, from macro to micro, everything from uh, working dire in direct care with people with with pretty extreme behavioral uh, difficulties to working with training staff and doing mental wellness assessments on people in in, uh, in facilities. Um, it. What it did was it it gave me a greater sense of empathy, um, which as a writer you, that's one of the core talents and core skills that every writer needs to get down. Even even like before you start messing around with stuff like grammar and spelling and, <laughs> and story structure, uh, you have to you have to be empathetic almost to a, a painful degree. You have to. Uh, care about people and care about even people that might might not seem deserving of care <clears throat> because it's through that understanding that you're able to build characters and that you're able to insert some something real into what you're doing and Becky you mentioned uh, the great word drama drama doesn't exist unless um Unless there's something worth feeling dramatic about, and that always comes, <laughs> that always comes to, um, hopefully you you can get the people that are reading the books to care about the same kind of things that you care about, and to surprise them with their with their ability to be compassionate. We we have to um, we have to hone this empathy and. That's uh, that's the thing that I take from my previous career into the career that I'm doing now. Um, it's the same thing, you know. I'm I'm still working with damaged 
quote damaged people. Thank you. <laughs> uh, they're just fictional now. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I some some of those characters are more damaged than others. Let me tell you. That's true. That's true. And some some are just better at hiding it. Mm. So we'll we'll see uh, see what that means in the future. Uh-oh. Dun da da. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, instead of the future, I want to turn the clock back just a little bit, uh, and I, I just want to say this, and you can respond however you wish. Uh, the first thing I reviewed that you guys did together was that issue of Doom Patrol a few years back that I absolutely loved. And when I shared the review, Michael, you were just ecstatic about my review, and I was I. I what a great issue. I just had to bring that up and just to sell what a great issue it was. But what, what went into that? How was, how did that, cause that was just sort of out of nowhere in the story. It, that, that run was broken up a little bit. Uh, I think as uh, Gerard had a lot of stuff going on and it wasn't coming out uh, on time, but what, what an issue you guys did. Well, thank you though. You've been with us from the very beginning. <laughs> that, that we did that and we did a um a short tomb of dracula thing for bizarre adventures over okay. at marvel yeah. uh, and those were our first our two first um uh things where we collaborated and i drew both of them and she drew both of them so check <laughs> the art fans uh, check it out oh, yeah uh, that was that was jamie s rich again who contacted us for actually we contacted him for Doom Patrol. <laughs> I tell a lie. Um, but Jamie's been a huge part of me coming back to DC recently. Um, it kind of happened. What well, you tell the story. You're better at the story than I am. The way, the way that I know it. Is, <laughs> and I don't know how much of this is just fancy. Uh, yeah. Becky was at a con. She was at a convention with Gerard and they were... Oh. It was at Thought Bubble in, in England with, with Gerard. <clears throat> and they were just, you know, having a couple drinks, a yield pub or something. <laughs> and and Becky was like, hey, I really like what you're doing with Doom Patrol. And, you know, my my Becky and I weren't dating or anything at the time. So I was her friend. <laughs> 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 my friend Michael loves Doom Patrol. He's always he's always talking about Doom Patrol and he, and he can't stop. That's true. <laughs> and he has this idea for the story. And so Gerard was like, "Well, what's the story?" And Becky didn't so much pitch him the story as much as she told him about the game that we would play over the phone, which was um we both own these big thick uh collections of the Morrison case run on oh, Doom okay. Patrol. Love them. And um, Becky would ask a question. I'd flip it open and magically bring my finger down on a panel. And maybe your question would be like, how, you know, is my day going to go well? And I'd point at the panel and it would be, um, it would be Robot Man saying, you know, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you, I need oil. Or something. <laughs> it would be like, Kind of relative, but it almost always kind of worked. So she told Gerard about this and how it was called Ask Doom Patrol. Ask Doom Patrol and how this was going to be a story one day. 
Uh, we oh. would take this thing and we would make it a And story. this was at the very beginning. I don't think Gerard's first trade had come out yet for that yeah, book. Like I, I, it was at like the very beginning of when he had taken over and yeah. a couple issues were out. And he yeah. said, well, you guys should do that, shouldn't you? And then, <laughs> I got, then I got a call from Becky saying, do you want to write Doom Patrol? And I was like, let me flip open the comic and see. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, we wrote it and it went through a number of different editors' hands because a lot of time was going by and Young Animal was li- living its whole existence, you know, from from inception until its demise and the whole time i was like man this thing just is never gonna happen like it's never gonna happen and then finally it did happen and it it changed my life it it was and it was and remains um one of the most important things that ever happened to me and it's so cool that it was doom patrol because that is a such a formative book for me i have doom patrol tattoos i like grew up being like i if i was ever going to be a superhero of course i'd end up in doom patrol because (laughs) i'd be a weirdo Um, so yeah that that's the version that i tell people and i think it's the truth i think that it was becky talking with gerard that That made it happen and then jamie was at that convention too so i think i just immediately went and like cornered Jamie and was like Jamie that is a great idea (laughs) (laughs) so yeah Jamie is and has been a a very critical figure uh, certainly in in my growth as a writer I owe him quite a bit and I didn't like him at all when I first met him (laughs) (laughs) I didn't like him at all (laughs) I met him and I was like Becky I think Jamie's a jerk or something (laughs) He was like, oh, everyone says that about Jamie. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's just Jamie. Like, you'll get used yeah. to him. <laughs> well, let's be sure to tag him in the post when this goes up. <laughs> he knows what I think of him. <laughs> no, well, that was just a, a phenomenal issue. I mean, I was enjoying that whole run anyways, but that issue was just phenomenal in my opinion. And it, yeah. I mean, I just... I gush over it. It was one of those things. It's like it's one of those single issues you can take out of a larger run and go, just read this one issue. Because even if you have no idea what the heck's going on in the rest of the run, it doesn't matter for your uh, enjoyment and, uh, you know, soul healing because of it. So read it. It was definitely like a love letter to comics and a love letter yes. specifically to the Doom Patrol comics. Yes. And like every all the ideations of that run. Um, tried to pay tribute to yeah well how about we go forward next batgirls we've uh, got uh we can't really talk about any details obviously because no issues have yet to hit the stands uh but we're starting out with uh some issues of batman uh as the second feature um personally i'm excited about it because well you guys have been doing great work and i've been enjoying it but i love i love barbara gordon uh, I love it when she plays the role as a mentor, uh, even if uh, uh, even if Barbara is supposed to be the iconic Batgirl. I've said numerous times that to me, the iconic Barbara Gordon is Oracle. Uh, and I feel like I'm sensing there's going to be a little bit of a birds of prey feel with it. Um, I reflect back to Stephanie uh, Brown's Batgirl series before the new 52. 
amongst those other things are coming together and from what I'm I'm seeing and getting these are things that are getting me excited about it. So one of the reasons I'm looking forward to it is are those kinds of things. Uh, like I said, we're starting in Batman, then we get the its own title in December. What can you tell us about it that you're free to? And of course, how did this uh this come about? Another neat story of of how it came to be. How it came to be uh, is is maybe not as exciting as like hanging out with a rock star and being like, <laughs> my, my friend likes Stone Patrol. <laughs> how this one went was um, I couldn't sleep one night and uh, and an email came through at like two in the morning or something. <laughs> and it was our, our now editor on the project, um, Jessica Chen. She's a bit of a night owl. And so she was like doing her thing. <clears throat> the email just said, Hey, uh, you and Becky want to write bad girls? <laughs> like we're, we're gonna, it's gonna be a whole thing, and uh, we'd love to have you. I was like, this is outstanding! What great news! Um, but while I may be able to make certain judgments um, solo, I, I do not speak for Becky. <laughs> so you people that are that message me all the time. Uh, asking me questions about Becky or whatever, I cannot answer these questions. We're <laughs> <laughs> collaborators, but I cannot uh, I cannot speak for her. Yeah, and don't ask me either because I don't know. She doesn't want to answer. So I desperately wanted to be like, yeah, we're totally going to do Batgirls. But I had to wait. Uh, <laughs> it was two in the morning. I knew Becky probably wasn't going to be up till like seven or eight the next day. And I was not gonna sleep a wink between. <laughs> uh, so I just dug out some Batgirls comics and did some reading and started dreaming and daydreaming about um, what we could do. And then when Becky got up, I was like, "Hey, have you checked your email?" And she was like, "Which one? I've got like hundreds of e- unread emails to get to." My shame. And I was like, "Look for one that's about Batgirls." She found it and she was like. Oh, sick! We're gonna do it, right? <laughs> like, yeah. So that's how that came to be. Um, we came on uh, without without knowing super much about what the status quo was gonna be in Gotham when we really got rolling. Uh, we found we found out about this job months and months ago. Um, but we just didn't know what was going to be going on in Gotham. And so much of the book is about the city and about the interaction of the different moving pieces in the city. Yeah. That's the the crazy thing about Gotham is like the stories are all connected. You know, you can find a through line and it it, like a ripple that happens in one book will affect all the others, um, which is exciting. And also like terrifying thing to come onto a new book with <laughs> having to like learn all this stuff. It's like moving to a new city, you know? Yeah. So the thing that we kind of did was we came up with the, the idea for the second. Uh, we knew like, Oh, between when we really start get, going on the first part and now like things can change radically in Gotham. So we kind of came up with an idea for the second arc. And then as it, as it came closer to time for us to start really working germanely on, on Batgirls and what that's going to look and feel like <clears throat> by then we knew 
okay, we're going to launch during fear state. We want to do things that kind of uh, feed into that and, and play with what's going on in Gotham uh, so that at least in the backups, it feels really cohesive. And we set up a, a scenario where Dabs, Cass, and Steph are going to be stuck together. Um, and we came up with a pretty cool way to do that. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to say what that is, but um, in, in our backups start in Batman 115. It's out in November. It's out this month oh, October. in October. <laughs> That's uh, and, <laughs> and I think Batman's double shipping. So one one sixteen will be out shortly after that, and and then our third one in one seventeen, and then bango, we're on to the series. For people that maybe are feeling like, oh, this sounds like you really have to read all the Batman books, and you gotta like know all about Gotham and this and that. Uh, that's not gonna be the case uh, for our book. We're trying to give it its own, um, trying to trying to give it its own kind of vibe and everything. Uh, and to keep it connected with the rest of the Bat family titles, but it's important to us that uh, you don't have to buy uh, every single. Yeah, that's the tightrope that you walk is like how to make the book an easy jumping on point for new readers, but also like people who are buying, you know, more Batman and Gotham books, uh, how to, you know, keep them. You know how to keep it up to date with everything else that's going on. So it's yeah, just, you, you might have a richer experience if you're if you're, if you're reading Nightwing and Batman. Well, everybody should be reading Nightwing anyways right now because that yeah, is just yeah. fantastic. So there's no excuse not to be reading Nightwing. I've told you, you've seen the images by <laughs> Bruno Redondo on, on Twitter. You need to be reading that thing. Yeah, it, it's really. Uh, it's daunting to be uh, shoulder to <laughs> shoulder to shoulder with that book um, because it is so roundly good and and so, such a powerful. There's things going on in that book that, uh, as a fan, uh, I'm just I'm jealous that somebody's like doing it so well. <laughs> uh, but but it's also cool because like uh, now we get to like be be in there and be in the mix and yeah. see like hey can we can we rock it like tom taylor is rocking it right now and and it's cool to share a character barbara of course it's, it's nice to be able to have that connectivity between the two books and to be able to like share ideas with tom is like exciting and and a lot of fun um yeah easy person to work with we share an editor so it, it makes it easy to keep everything um keep everything in line and keep it keep it feeling good so yeah i don't i don't want to like necessarily hitch our cart to the back of uh the nightwing express but <laughs> if you like nightwing <laughs> check on that girl yeah. Well, I I'll mean, if you, if you like Nightwing and Barbara Gordon, you should definitely be reading Batgirls. I mean, that's, oh, a, yeah, that's, a, that's a no-brainer in my opinion. But what's it like to have to collaborate on some? I mean, with Wonder Woman, you had to go from what's just happened to her in Death Metal and all that, and here you're actually writing the character concurrently in a separate book uh, with someone else. What's what kind of challenges does that present? That's most that Jessica Chen, she keeps everything moving along, you know, quickly and efficiently. She'll send us everything that we need to know. She'll make sure that we have PDFs of or a copy of the script so we can look it over and make sure everything jives. Um, 
we will do group calls, you know, we do group calls, you know, with Wonder Woman too. And in this, it's like, you know, the same thing where you just, if you're working with a group of people that are all doing stories in the same place, you, you don't just need to know what other people are doing, but it's, it, it'll help inform your story because you never know what someone's going to say, you know, throw out a character or a plot point and it's like oh that's great I want to use something like that in our story or some you know there's a lot of like this kind of collaboration that goes on that's um I think very unique to to superhero books and it makes it a ton of fun to work on you know and also a challenge at the same time so everything is fun and challenging it's all fun <laughs> it's so fun um yeah occasionally there will be a stuff where it's like oh i really want this character to be available right now <clears throat> and sometimes it's from dealing with a character not being available that interesting creative stuff can happen uh, it's just adding another another problem to a story sometimes and gosh darn it, gosh darn it uh, <laughs> that's where the drama lives is in the problems and trying to figure out the problems and so you have an opportunity as a writer to be like, oh, this is this uh, continuity thing is causing me a problem for explaining how this story is going to work. But furthermore, it's creating a problem for the characters on the page. And, oh, maybe that's interesting. So mm. uh, it's, <laughs> Becky said it, it's challenging and fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of blabbing to get to challenging and fun. <laughs> um what uh what you you were both like we're gonna do this right what what drew you to this group of characters to to sign on so quickly and be like yeah we're doing that what what was it that brought you there i love gotham <laughs> and i think it was this time like at three years writing gotham academy all in love with the city and it's like just so fun to come back to um and of course i love Batgirls, you know, of course, Barbara Gordon is amazing. Cass has been like her, her stuff has been super fun. I was newer to stuff. I haven't read as much uh, Stephanie Brown Batgirl, but after coming onto this book and reading more, you know, stuff with her, it's easy to fall in love with her character too. So that's, it's kind of a no brainer when you love all the characters and it's in a place that you love. It's like, of course, this is going to be fun to do. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think maybe I was like, a little bit uh a little bit more informed about the, the three characters going into it <clears throat> so for me that was the excitement is man these three characters are like bound they're unified by this title uh in this kind of mission that they've been on in their young lives um but they they all engage with it so differently and in some ways they're like one is the inverse of the other and, and how they how they fight and how they think and how they investigate. Um, so I just thought it would, would be too much fun, you know, having them all together and seeing seeing how that works. Particularly when we were talking with Jessica about our, our initial concept, um, I think with a group of girls like this, it's so easy to to be, uh, yeah, and there's 
like all this tension among the girls. It kind of can be really exciting. We wanted, it's a book about friendship. Yeah, we want it to be about friendship. <laughs> um, in, the, in the movie Step Brothers, uh, starring <laughs> comedians, uh, the, the best parts of that movie are where, when they're getting along. And we wanted to um, we wanted to show what it, what it's like <laughs> when very different people get along. Oh, so that's that's, that's kind of not a spoiler, but um, it, it, oh, walk 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 walk. But uh, but hopefully, um, people going into it uh, will will maybe have like have their perception of of what it what it means to be a character in a comic book kind of changed a little bit um because everything is so melodramatic in comics we we're like we just aren't gonna have that part of the melodrama we're okay. gonna have it, uh have it be good it's it's so rare to see women get along in comics <laughs> much less be friends we're just in media in general i yeah i had a <laughs> I've had a number of people, there was like a promotional page from 780 where it's Black Canary hugging Wonder Woman. And I've had so yeah. many people say like, thank you for showing women get along. <laughs> and I was like, well, she was excited Diana was back. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know that we were being uh, weird. But, but, uh, so uh, Jessica loved the idea of let's show friendship. Let's have a book about friendship. Let's make it weird. <laughs> Let's make it real weird. <laughs> that that is that sounds like a different take, and that's exciting because I'm a sucker for things like reconciliation and uh, and that kind of thing. When you have stories that deal with uh, those types of concepts, so people getting along and being friendly is so much nicer than you know a team that's always infighting and uh, you know that's it's, we've seen that a million times. <laughs> There's so much darkness and bleak stuff going on around them. Uh, they, you know, they live in Gotham, which is like yeah. a, a terrible place to be. Um, so, yeah, having that as the backdrop, it's like there's so there's so much drama here. Like, yeah, it, it it'll be fine. Oh, I've seen a lot of people say like, oh, this is like a, a YA book or whatever. Um, and while it's certainly not we won't turn you it's away. It's not a mature reader's book. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not a mature reader's book, but it's also not a YA book. This is a, it's got the same rating uh, that Wonder Woman has. It's got the same rating that Batman has. Um, so yeah, we're going to explore pretty dark, horrific themes, uh, but it's, but it's going to be Batgirls. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. uh, um, let me uh, let me give you the guys the opportunity to talk about some stuff that's that's not part of your DC Comics because I know there's other stuff in your lives. You know, over the summer I know Becky, your Holy Diver uh, oh, uh, yeah. stuff came out with that, and uh, Michael, you've got this Mystery School Comics group. What uh what can y'all tell us about what's going on in your non-DC lives? I I do a ton of illustration work. I've kind of cut down down recently because it was too it was too much to do um with you know you just have cover gigs and all this stuff and with everything going on my brain was so scattered I was like trying to just finish everything and then just cut, shut it shut it down <laughs> shut it all down forever um so just I, I spent the summer trying to like clear my plate of everything just so I could 
focus a little harder on, you know, especially when you have books like Midnight or Wonder Woman Backgirls. It's so many different, your brain is in so many different places um, on so many different types of things that throwing more work in there was really giving me trouble. It was giving me trouble. <laughs> <laughs> try to keep it all straight um, and I'm like the most disorganized person in that like I'll forget where I put my glasses on if they're not like on my face <laughs> just don't it's awful um so that's kind of what I spent the summer doing <laughs> yeah um <clears throat> but, but you had a graphic novel come yeah out. I had a graphic novel come out it's called Double Walker um and you can pick it up on Comixology. It's part of their Comixology Originals line. Um, extremely proud of that book. And uh, oh, and additional, additionally, uh, the book that my partner on Double Walker, Noah Bailey, and I did um, a year or two ago with Comixology Originals will be out and available for purchase. Um, through Dark Horse, it's called uh, Tremor Dose, and it's a book about dreams and uh, kind of a, a statement piece about consumer culture and <laughs> my paranoia. Everybody needs to read Double Walker, uh, especially now that it's spooky season. This is the spookiest book ah. yeah. that you will read. Double Walker <laughs> is, a, is, a, is like a horror situation. Yeah. yeah, it's turn the lights down, but not low enough so that you'll strain your eyes. But yeah. make sure that it's like moody. don't strain your eyes. Don't strain your eyes. <laughs> don't <laughs> eyes strain. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be responsible. So, Double Walker and Tremor Dose, both available on Comixology. Tremor Dose will be a, printed by Dark Horse in in uh, November. Anyway, Mystery School Comics Group is this uh, collective that. <laughs> Consists of Becky and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a comic book collective. It's a comic book collective. We make all kinds of things. Uh, we make our own zines, uh, pins, patches. Ridiculous. Becky did a, a deck of oracle cards. That's kind of like a it's like a tarot type of situation. Very cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So people that are interested in seeing some of the stuff that we do that like we own entirely ourselves. Yeah. It's self-published stuff. Um, just kind of, we say it's like a hobby, but it's really not because it's all consuming. Um, you can't <laughs> get it over here on this side of the room. It's just boxes. Boxes. Oh. <laughs> boxes and bo it's like, you know, cause of course we have a, sh a shipping station and like all of our stock and all the tubes, poster tubes, so yeah. many poster tubes. <laughs> So you can you can check it out. Yeah, please it's help a, us get rid of these boxes. Mysteryschool.bigcartel.com. Go there, check it out. Uh, we've got new stuff coming up pretty soon, soon but yes. for now there's there's plenty to look at, and we've, we're constantly adding and taking away. So we've got a newsletter that we don't ever send things out on. So if you yeah. like if you not want, getting newsletters, you want to sign up, sign up, sign for, up that. for that. <laughs> you, you might get a newsletter. An email, uh, like once, twice a year. <laughs> once or twice a year, just letting you know about sales and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's all comics all the time over here. That's what we do. Yeah. And that's the exact kind of newsletter my wife likes. Is the emails you don't get. Those are the kinds oh she God. likes. Yeah. I doing this thing. I have I get so much junk mail. All you know, if I don't check my mail for a day which sometimes I don't check my mail for a couple of days. It's like three or four pages of just junk. 
So I've actually spent the last couple days deleting, like unsubscribing from emails. And like today I was like checking my mail this morning and I was like, it's a, it's nice. So I, I highly recommend unsubscribing from our emails. Let's <laughs> <laughs> make your life better. Unsubscribe from all the junk mail. That's my, that's my tip for the day. Unsubscribe. Unsub how to have a fulfilling day by becky cleanan and michael conrad <laughs> yeah i actually i feel bad that we even have a newsletter because they cause me so much stress well uh let, we're, we're getting i got a couple more questions if you got the time um what uh what do you, what's more fulfilling, uh, creator-owned work or stuff you do for DC or Marvel where there are characters that you've known and loved uh, over time? And is there a DC character you haven't worked on that you'd love to? Is there a dream assignment? I think I think doing creator-owned stuff um, is undeniably easier and it causes me less pain because people, <laughs> people don't have a um, – they don't have a perception of how things are supposed to be. And if they do, if they show up and they say, hey, your character would never do this, I would say, I made that up. <laughs> it's my character, I own that, leave me alone. <laughs> so, so in that way, it's creator-owned is, is a lot better. Um, but it is tons of fun and it cannot, like there's, it, there's such an incredible feeling to be able to touch these characters that have been with me for my whole life so i wouldn't be able to pick a favorite out of the two uh different modalities uh for a character that i'd really like to write uh that i haven't uh had the opportunity to do yet <clears throat> um swamp thing or animal man or both at the oh, same time and not unfortunately, quite fortunately for us as readers, uh, Swamp Thing is in great hands, so I want nothing to do with Swamp Thing right now. I, I don't want to show up and, and screw it up. Yeah, you don't want to follow Rob Swamp Thing. <clears throat> I'll follow him, but I don't want to stop him while he's, while he's going. I was uh, going to say, he, he's doing a great job on that book. Wow. That's, fabulous. That's fabulous. amazing. Yeah, yeah. And Mike Perkins' art, come on. Oh, gosh, yeah. yes. It's a great time to be a Swamp Thing fan. Yeah. It I'll, is, I'll, it is. I'll take a, I'll take a animal man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think animal man's got a book right now. He, he needs somebody to advocate for him right now. <laughs> How about you, dear? Um, I think I, I think doing my personal work is a lot more fulfilling in a way that, like, doing licensed work is never going to be. So it's an unfair question to ask because nothing can compare to um, living in your own little world in your head. Uh, that said, like what Michael said, you know, being a part of these teams and working on characters that you've grown up reading is like, there's something so fun and special about that. That That's, it, it's a totally different thing. Um, uh, and it's, it's so much fun to be able to contribute to like a legacy um, and to put ideas down that hopefully you'll see pick people picking back up. You know, it's, it's so great to put an idea out there or a character or, you know, a plot point and then see someone else pick it up and be like, Oh, I want to use that in my story. It's so much fun. And to be able to do the same thing, it's, there's a collaborativeness that you're never going to get when you're working by yourself. <laughs> um, obviously. So that's, that's a thing. 
I would say Solomon Grundy, but I actually wrote a Solomon Grundy story recently that's going to come out in Legends of the Dark Knight um, oh. in like a week or two, maybe in print. Um, it okay. was one of the digital uh, comics. Um, so that's actually seeing print, which is super cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's hard because DC has a lot of cool stuff. I don't know. I haven't done already. I would just work on more Batman, obviously, I think. Just <laughs> <laughs> which I've already done, but you know, why not do some more? That's the easy way out. Well, but, is there is there something you're most proud of? Of your of what you've done? Is there one thing that stands out for you or do you sort of see it as a as a body of work that you're really proud of without anything particularly taking uh the forefront? That's it's so hard to say. Um I I would I think I when I look back over my at my DC stuff specifically, um, I, it it might have to be Gotham Academy, and I and that's so silly because it was like it felt like a creator-owned book because we made up all those characters. But I think <laughs> that's why, you know, I think it's because we made up the the whole thing was like you know the school, the 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 characters, the plot. It was just purely its own thing, but it was uniquely Gotham. Um, it, it just and and working with Carl Kirschler and Brendan Fletcher was so much fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's that's that. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, how about you? Oh, I don't know. I, <clears throat> anytime a comic book happens, it's um, it's like a, a miracle for me. Yeah. You know, Oh, it happened. It's, uh, I've, I think of all this stuff that I've done, the thing that I'm most proud of is a book called Frown that I did. It was just me and my older brother back before we knew how to make comics. <clears throat> we just um, we went to Alternative Press Expo in San Francisco and saw these zines and stuff. And we were like, wow, we could do this. Like, we can figure this thing out. So on, on the drive to back from San Francisco to where I was living at the time, I came up with this idea. My brother agreed to draw it. And it was the first thing that I ever like fully invested myself in and worked hard at. I wrote this little 40-page comic. My brother drew it. Uh, we printed a way too many. You know, you, you, the first time you make a comic you think like well we should probably print like 5,000 copies you know? <laughs> <laughs> sold, sold like five uh, gave, gave some away so uh, what you're I, saying is there's some copies still available right now that they can order from you on the <laughs> you know what I, I don't think that I want we've only want... got a couple they're yeah. in the box <laughs> I've, I've got a couple in a box every now and then I'll bring them to show at this point it's more of like a representation of hey like look how look how bad this is man. <laughs> it's it's really poorly written I've, I've grown a lot as a writer um just you know but it remains the thing that i'm most i'm i'm speaking poorly about it but it remains the thing that i'm most proud of because it was the first thing the first comic that i made the first one that i really I made little comics before that, but this was um, the first one where I really was like, I'm going to learn how to do this and I'm going to give it my best effort. Um, and that 
you know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step or whatever. <laughs> that was that was my step. You know, that was me stretching and and pushing myself. And since then, I've made a lot of things. So uh, yeah, that that's the thing I'm most proud of. If I didn't do that one thing, I never never would have done the next. The first thing has to be special. I mean, that first time you 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 do it, whether it's writing or drawing, it's there it is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a real thing. I it's didn't scary. dream. <laughs> it's scary because like we, we don't want to do something without knowing how to do it. But the way that you learn how to do something is by doing it wrong. And then in correcting yourself, it's like learning to ride a bike. You're, you're going to need training wheels. You will fall down. Yeah. Except like with a comic, other people are going to rig you with those training wheels on and like with a falling down if you, if you do. Yeah. So I think there's that fear of like, you know, oh God, I have to do this thing. I'm not sure about my skills and I have to put it out there. And I think as you grow as a creator, you know, and learn techniques and, you know, if you're an artist, like your draftsmanship gets better, but that feeling never really goes away, you know? So I even have that, you know, when you put out a new book, you just have to, I've just gotten better at like ignoring it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily a feeling that like stage fright almost uh, before a new book comes out. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, do you guys have any con appearances scheduled? The cons are starting back up at least somewhat. New York I'll was over the past that. weekend. Yeah. New York. I'm feeling a little bit of FOMO from that, um, but it's, I'm, I'm doing Baltimore in a couple of weeks. Um, okay. And I, though I thought about doing New York, um, I was like, I can't do two cons in a row. <laughs> yeah, I cannot do it. I just, even hanging out with friends, I'll get like exhausted by it. So I'm, I'm just not used to talking to people yet, I think. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know if I'll go to Baltimore. Uh, they, I don't know that they want me. <laughs> <laughs> they, they say, I would like you there. <laughs> they certainly haven't asked me, uh, but sometimes I just kind of show up to these things, and I and I I will behave as uh, Becky's manservant, <laughs> uh, and they let me in sometimes. <laughs> I'll just if I if I'm on my best behavior, they let me stay. <clears throat> um, but we're we're doing thought bubble. In, in November uh, in the UK so if you're if you want to fly to the UK and hang out with us there cool if you're already out there we'll find you <laughs> we'll find you um, but I think those are the only cons that we're that we're gonna do this year big time hurt uh, seeing all this um, New York Comic Con stuff I was so sad I really wanted to be there and to to have all that fun but when when we were considering it um we didn't know what the world was going to look like we didn't know safety protocols this that and the other and who knows like it, a week from now a couple days from now we could find out everyone there got delta virus or whatever yeah <laughs> could, yeah yeah so it's my I, sister just got it, it there's so, so it, much it anxiety <laughs> There's so much anxiety about potentially putting ourselves in harm way, harm's way, putting other people in harm's way, doing something um, 
to encourage people to come out and hang out in a giant crowd. I don't know if that's, I don't know if I want that type of burden of culpability. <laughs> I mean, uh, there is like, you know, every, I think um, a lot of conventions are being very responsible. Yeah, with it, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not judging people's behavior or the con organizers. I'm just trying to explain why, um, why we aren't necessarily jumping right at every con opportunity that pops up it's just um there's a lot to consider yeah so we have we have two um this year and that that seemed that seemed like a good amount yeah. to, to get back into so it. yeah catch us in baltimore or becky i might stay home with the cats <laughs> we, got, we got two cats yeah well i hope con season gets back to normal and you guys make it to north carolina again oh uh, yeah that was so much fun North Carolina I, uh, is so is so great and such um uh it's it's always so much fun in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of like a I, I, I started um losing my train of thought because I was like, man, was it in North were you in North Carolina when you pitched the Doom Patrol story to Gerard? But no, you were in England. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think uh North Carolina was like the first show that I ever did where I had actual like professionally published comics. Normally uh, I would oh. just get, like with Xerox zines and like bumper stickers that I made <laughs> on uh, Kinkos or whatever. So yeah, it it was like the first time I ever signed my name on on a Doom Patrol comic. And that oh, was yeah, neat. that's right. Yeah. This got caught up in memories. Memory bliss. Well, guys, I want to thank you again so much. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you today. Uh, uh, I'm certainly looking forward to Batgirls and keeping reading uh, Wonder Woman as well. And I wish you both the best of success with that and all your other endeavors that we've mentioned. Hopefully, uh, people will reach out and find some of those other projects and get some more Clunan and Conrad goodness. Well, thank you so much. And we'll talk again sometime soon. We've got a, a lot of interesting things in the works and can't wait to hear what you think. Well, I look, uh, back girls. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I look forward to it. Thank I'm going to be having us. It's been a bunch of fun. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I look forward to everything. Thank you so much. I look forward to both because I get to review both for the website. So I'm really excited about that. I'm I'm eagerly awaiting uh, getting a shot. So thank you both again. You too. Thank you. You too. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.